This morning is number two in the series, Poet, Warrior, King, Lessons in the Life of David. And I'd like you to stand with me, if you would, please. I know you've been standing in worship, but uh, we're going to read our text, and I'll let you get comfortable in just a second. The title of the message this morning is called Favor Opens Doors. Say that with me. Favor Opens Doors. When we talk about the favor of God, we're talking about just literally the, the grace of God that covers our lives to provide for us in things that we could have never earned or deserved or never could have merited it in any kind of way, never been good enough. But it's just that uh, when, when we do the ordinary, God says, I'll show up and I'll give you the extra, and that makes it extraordinary for His kingdom. So the extraordinary is God's favor that opens doors for us. Our text is found in the, the book of Psalms, uh, chapter 78, it's that great summary of the history of the children of Israel, and it wraps up talking about the leadership of this young man by the name of David. So we're going to begin again in verse 70 and get three verses. Let's read it together. He chose David, his servant, and took him from the sheepfolds. From following the nursing ewes, he brought him to shepherd Jacob, his people, Israel, his inheritance. With upright heart, he shepherded them and guided them with his skillful hand. Two things I want you to see before we leave that. Everybody say upright heart, skillful hands. Say upright heart, skillful hands. So we're talking about the internal where leadership flows from the source and then the external. Do not ever confuse leadership with natural gifts because it's the heart of a man or a woman, first of all, that indicates the nature of the relationship and the success to which either he or she will be able to achieve or accomplish. Now, one more verse this morning that's our series, our message text for today is found in the book of Proverbs. And I want you to really grab this because this is going to, I think, challenge every one of us to find out what our giftings are and then to work them, to be able to develop them, to be able to make them better, improve them. Look at this. Let's read it together. Do you see a man skillful in his work? He will stand before kings. He will not stand before obscure men. Father, thank you for that proverb of wisdom this morning. We ask you, O oh God, to give us skill, talent, first of all, that's recognized, and then we develop it into something that benefits not only ourselves, but first of all, your kingdom, Lord, others around us. And then you're able to take that and even bless our lives as a channel of provision, of finance. God, ask, we ask you today to help us to be people of excellence, a spirit of excellence, that whatever we do, whatever we put our hand to, like Ecclesiastes says, we do it with all of our might, that whatever we do in word or deed, we do it for the Lord, to the glory of God. Make us, each and every one of us, skillful, Lord, in our work. Uh, Father, the things that we do in our vocation, in, in the things in our businesses, the, the, the challenges that we face on a week-to-week -week basis. Let a spirit of excellence permeate what we do so that we can be a witness for the glory of God and the good things of God. We're careful to give you the praise and just to say that, that we cannot do any of this in our own strength. I desperately need you. We as a people need you. Open our eyes to see and our ears to hear. We'll be careful to give you all the praise. In Jesus' name, and God's people said, Amen. You may be seated this morning. In the presence of the Lord. We, we took um, a, a, a significant amount of time last week laying down the history and giving you a chance to understand where the diving board was off of which cliff 
that we were jumping into the deep river of Israel's history. Went through Abraham and Moses and Joshua and the judges and Samuel and up to Saul and then Saul gets rejected. And so we talked about David being a man after God's own heart. He is surprised when the prophet of God, Samuel, visits his home and he is called in last and least among his eight brothers. Jesse only shows seven. He only uh, actually reveals and shows seven that are paraded before Samuel. Samuel knows he's heard from God and he says, do you not have another or is this all of your sons? Because God had spoken to Samuel and said, go to Jesse, the Bethlehem, the Bethlehem Heights house, and there you will find the one that I will anoint as king. And he sees all seven from the, young, from the oldest to the, to the least. David is certainly the least because his father didn't even have any consideration for him as possibly being one that the prophet would be interested in. So he never even told him about the meeting. Any of you ever felt like everybody around you knows what's going on, but you've been sort of left out? Well, let me just say to you that, that there's, there are things in David's life that every one of us can certainly relate to. And the beauty of this is, is that when favor is on your life, it can't be hidden. Others might try to hide you, but when God decides to show you to those around you, there is nothing they can do to stop it. And I'm, I'm going to preach that real good this morning, so help me a little bit, because I've got some things that I want to say to teach, but I also, I, I'm, I'm, I've got some things I'm going to celebrate. I'm going to preach this a little bit, and that is the one right there. Favor opens doors. Say that with me. Favor opens doors. Our one thing that I want you to grasp as we roll into this message today, read it with me. The Spirit of God equips us to do the will of God. Say it like you mean it. The Spirit of God equips us to do the will of God. So when you're looking at your notes, the one take home that I want you to grasp, even over everything else, and there will be some great things in this message today, some principles of the kingdom of God and some history, and I believe some enlightenment in some areas that will help you but if you don't remember anything else that I say, I want you to remember that the Spirit of God equips you to do the will of God. So that's what His purpose is in your life. That is the work of the Holy Spirit. Okay. So today, as we roll into this, we're going to be looking at a short section of 1 Samuel chapter 16. Last week, we had to cover a big spectrum of area to really sort of get you acclimated and sort of get your GPS system uh, calibrated so you would know right where we were and what was about to happen. We've got that this week, so we don't have to go back and redo that. As we jump in to 1 Samuel 16, the first section of it is where Saul is at Jesse of Bethlehem's house. And David hears those amazing words whispered in his ear. Josephus, the Jewish historian, says that when David felt that warm oil pour over his head and run down his neck into his dirty little shepherd's uniform that he had on, came from the sheep shed, from, from the smell and the fragrance of dealing with his dad's herd, from the one that was rejected, from the one that no one even accounted for any kind of possibility of future leadership, discredited entirely. You know, those are things that can be characteristic certainly of Jesus because the scripture says there was really nothing about him that any man would look upon him to desire. He was an ordinary Jewish person. Nothing about him stood out. Now, when you look at David, the scripture certainly describes him as a handsome young man and bright eyes. 
But before that, if you don't get close enough, he just looks like any other ordinary, everyday, young, Middle Easterner. And this is, I think, indicative of what God does. He takes things sometimes that are not the first and the most flashy. He takes those, the foolish things of the world, to confound the wise, 1 Corinthians chapter 1. He takes the weak things of the world to confuse and to confound the mighty. Come on, somebody. And so that means that God can tap us on the shoulder and appoint us, anoint us first, and then appoint us to be used by Him because it is the Spirit of God that equips us to do the will of God. Say it with me one more time. The Spirit of God equips us to do the will of God. So David has experienced that. Literally, when he felt that, Josephus the historian says that Samuel leaned over and whispered in his ear and said, you will be the next king. Now, you talk about surprised with the, the demand of dad that says one of the boys came out and said, hey, they want you at, back at the house, hurry up. And it probably took him a little while to get out there and get him and he's coming back and no time to wash up, no time to, to, to grab a shower, put on a fresh set of clothes or anything at all. He just walks into the room and the Bible says, Samuel had said, we will not sit down until he arrives. And the word of the Lord came to Samuel, rose up, billowed up on the inside of him and the word of God said, arise and anoint him for this is he. Now, between verse 13 and verse 14, we're not told the length of time. I don't believe that what happens in what we're about to read is the very next day. As a matter of fact, uh, when you tell the story, many times in Scripture, uh, you'll move from one chapter and you think that it's just sort of an immediate event that takes place after what you just read in the previous chapter. Sometimes there's a 20-year span in there. Uh, literally, Saul has been king at this point when he's rejected entirely, probably a good 25 years or so. And David is going to be anointed for the, to become the king, of, king elect of Israel to follow Saul, but it's going to be 13 years between the time that Samuel pours the oil over his head, whispers the words in his ears, and before he actually is, receives the crown of authority on his head and he leads and rules Judah and Israel together. So it's going to be a little time of preparation. How many of you know when God gets you ready, sometimes he takes you through a season of preparation to get you there. Look at your neighbor right now and say it's training time for reigning time. Now that's what I believe prophetically is happening in the body of Christ, in the church there are plenty gloom and doom, negative false prophets that are declaring to you every opportunity they get that, this, that we're the terminal generation, it's going to be the end of the world, and we've got the final countdown uh, that came out in the 80s that the hair bands sang. And, and what, I, what I want you to realize is that in the midst of all of this prophecy of darkness, God has a body of people that are the church that will arise with the light of the Lord upon them because the Word of God says, Arise and shine, for my light is come, and the glory of the Lord will rise upon you. In the middle of the darkness all around us, God is going to take, like a jeweler will lay a diamond on a piece of black velvet, God is going to position the light of the church because of the presence of Jesus Christ in the middle of the darkness of all the things that are going on in the world around us. Come on, somebody. And so right now, it's training time for your reigning time. You're anointed because you've already received the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life as a believer 
uh, because Jesus Christ has marked your life. Ephesians says you've been sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. So right now you're in a time of preparation because God's going to show you to the nations. Come on, somebody. Hello, church. Hello, bride of Christ. Come on. Hello, Mrs. Jesus Christ. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So David is a picture of the preparation, and this is what happens. I believe there were some months that passed between verse 13 and verse 14. As we open up and look at our first section of Scripture here, this is the first point. Say it out loud with me. The seeds of disobedience produce the fruit of trouble. You, you can't get away from that. Uh, there, grace covers us, but let me tell you something. It, this has been a law that God has written into the cosmos from the beginning of time. You are going to reap what you have sown. Galatians chapter 6 says, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. You sow to the flesh, you will reap destruction. You sow to the Spirit, you will reap everlasting life. Somebody say amen. Now, don't, 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 don't kid, your, kid yourself. It goes on to say, Be not weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we, what? Don't faint. Everybody look at your name and say, Don't faint. Now, the negative side of this is that Saul has disobeyed severely and gravely the commandment of God in 1 Samuel 13, and 1 Samuel 14, and again in 15. And that's spread out over a number of years, and the judgment of God is counting up and building up in his life until finally, the scripture says, he reached for the, for the, for the robe of Samuel, and when he did, Samuel was turning away from him, having spoken that God had rejected his kingdom, and he tore Samuel's robe Samuel turned and pronounced and said, This day has the kingdom been torn from you, and I will give it to a man who has been found worthy, a man after my heart who will do all of my will. So from that moment, Saul is about to reap. The seeds of disobedience are going to produce the fruit of trouble. Here we go. Now the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and a harmful spirit from the Lord tormented him. King James says an evil spirit from the Lord. Obviously, this was God was punishing. God was dealing with Saul because of his continued, consistent acts of disobedience and leadership. Okay. Now, again, let me just say, let's separate this concept of salvation that we look at and the and destiny leadership. Okay, because I could make some mistakes. I could make some really bad choices. And I could forfeit my leadership of this church, but I really don't believe that those mistakes would indicate that I would lose my salvation, my relationship with God. It certainly would hinder my fellowship with Him. And any grave sin, uh, I, there would, God would say, you need to turn from it, repent. But the Bible promises if we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, that's not a pre-signed check to do what some people say. Well, I'll just, you know, I'll, I'll do it now and ask for forgiveness later. No, no, no. When you are a leader, there's an expectation on your life. And when you make really, really bad choices, though salvation is not the issue that is at stake, your destiny, your leadership, your influence can come crashing down. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Okay. So Saul has disobeyed. And an evil spirit from the Lord troubles him. The Spirit of God departs from him. Next verse, verse 15. And Saul's servant said to him, Behold now, a harmful spirit from God is tormenting you. I'll be honest, this is a hard passage to wrestle with. Because there are those who, who just have this really nice sort of rosy idea that only good things 
that we describe as good come from the Lord. And the fact of the matter is that the God we serve is sovereign and is all-powerful and He is a God who is totally in control and He still employs this idea of seed time and harvest, the law of sowing and reaping. Okay. Now I'm thankful that grace certainly can cancel the penalty, but it can't cancel the effects or the results of. You know what? You, let, me, let me just get real plain right here. You, you, you can make some bad decisions and, 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 and a young lady, let me talk to the men, you, she can get pregnant. Now, you can get forgiveness for uh, the breach of what was done wrong, the sin, but there's still a baby in that womb. There's still consequences. Are you hearing what I'm saying this morning? Okay, and so we, 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 we want to realize that this idea of getting forgiveness doesn't negate the consequences. Are you hearing me? Sometimes in the, the greasy grace, easy believe kind of message that is preached sometimes, folks just think that it just, just wipe it all clean. You're not going to have to deal with anything. Sometimes you're going to have a mess to clean up. Come on, saints. Okay, so behold now a harmful spirit from God is tormenting you. And this is what they said. Let our Lord now command your servants who are before you to seek out a man. Everybody say, seek out a man. Seek out a man who is skillful, skillful in playing the lyre. So we're talking about a little harp, a stringed instrument, someone who sings, someone who is comforting, someone who can bring with them the presence of God. This is what he says. Let's seek out a man who is skillful in playing the lyre. And when the harmful spirit from God is upon you, he will play it and you will be well. Now, it was very common in this period of time to believe that when people were agitated at the point of depression or they were anxious or they were fearful, that music had a soothing quality to it. Now, I don't in any way disagree with that. How many of you know that you can put on some music and you can change your mood? You can be sad and all of a sudden by creating a different atmosphere which you're living in, come on, throw, the, throw open the windows and the sash and get out of the darkness and let in some light and you start to sort of pick yourself up and your mood can change. And so certainly uh, we can receive something that may only be temporary. Uh, it may be an emotional fix on a deeper problem, which I think is what's going on here with Saul. But they said they believed that if you'd get somebody in here that could comfort him, that he would be better. And this is what we're about to see. Okay, next verse. So Saul said to his servants, provide for me a man who can play well. Everybody say, play well. Now, I love that because you know what? This isn't just everybody just make a joyful noise. God doesn't care what you sound like. It's your heart he looks on. How many of you know that's, uh, that's, that's, that's the... Sentiment of a little tiny handful of people in a church of less than 25 where you can sit and just listen and let somebody be all over the place sharp and flat when they sing. And, and you go, well, it doesn't matter. The Bible just says make a joyful noise. Well, you know what the same Bible that says make a joyful noise says play skillfully. And it says to sing with excellence. And so I believe it's important that whatever we do, if we're going to do it for God, that we do it well that you stand up and teach in the classroom and you teach well, that you, that you actually conduct your business in such a way that you do it well. I remember uh, having to talk a few, um, it was a couple of years ago, over a situation with one of our vehicles. And they actually referred to Al Thomas sitting right here. 
and they were talking about having to come in and bore out something. They said, no, he'll bring his own equipment and, and you don't mess with Al. He's going to do it and he is down to the micro millimeter and he's going he's to nurse that thing and get it right. And they, he didn't, he's never even heard me talk about this before, but they talked about a man who was committed to a level of excellence that they said, if you need a job like that done, Al Thomas is the man in this area to get it done. And so very much like what they're saying here, we need somebody who can do their job well. How many of you know if you can do your job well, you don't have to worry about pay? You can just about set your price. It's like the, the guy who built this massive assembly line after Henry Ford had shown that it was going to be the way of production in the 20th century called him in because he was the one who had actually set it up and it wasn't running or working properly and it was out of the warranty period. And so the owner of the company called in Ford and Henry Ford took literally about an hour and walked in with a screwdriver and he just turned two or three different screws and this is way, way back in the 19-teens and he charged the owner, uh, he sent him the bill and the bill was $100,000 and the guy said it didn't take you an hour and you just turned two or three screws and Henry Ford said yes, but it's the knowledge of knowing which screws to turn. <laughs> so how many of you know if you do something well, you can be paid well? What did we say in our verse that started us today? Do you see a man skillful in his work? He will stand before kings and not obscure men. You will stand before people of great influence if you take the gift that God has given you and you, 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 you train that, you, you develop it into a skill, you massage it into something that is in demand by others and you can just about set your price. God will use that as a, challenge, as a channel an income stream to be able to bless your life. Provide for me a man who can play well and bring him to me. Second point. Look at this. Everybody say, favor can't be hidden. I love this. When the favor of God is on your life, when you know Jesus and you have his presence in your life, when your heart is first set toward him and you're able to put down all of the petty jealousies of the others that are around you and those that see it on you, they realize they don't have it and they're doing everything they can to try to use you as a stepstone or a ladder to climb on you. They know you're going somewhere and sometimes people will attach like leeches and parasites and try to go, well, I don't have the gifting myself but I know he does or she does and I'll just attach onto that coattail and just ride myself on into some greater success because People know when favor of God is on people. They can't always tell it. They, can't, they don't know what it is. It's that it factor. It's that thing that sets people apart. It's that thing that makes them different in whatever they do, how they run their business, the way they think in terms of creativity, the way they conduct their lives, the level of moral excellence, the level of determination to do things well. Look at this, 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 18. One of the young men answered, Behold, I have seen a son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite, who is skillful in playing, a man of valor, a man of war, prudent in speech, a man of good presence, and the Lord is with him. Now, how would you like that for somebody to call up and go, Hey, what do you think about Estella? Pastor, what do you think? Can you give me a recommendation? And I go, Yes, she is in, she's born into the right family. She's skillful in her gift. She's a woman of courage. She's been trained. She's articulate. She can speak well. She looks good, and besides all of that, God's with her. Now, you talk about a recommendation. Hello. How many of you want that kind of a recommendation? And this is what I love. This is what I love. Saul sins, and the very thing that he needs 
is a skill that David has already perfected in his life. Isn't it amazing how God has the ability to connect one who's going to need something to somebody who can provide it? My, 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 this is an amazing day in which we live that God can take something you're going to need and something somebody else has already developed into a gift. They've already spent their lives on the backside of the desert practicing it hour after hour after hour and having the presence of God come on their lives and they've, they've written a worship manual that people are going to sing out of for the next several thousand years. Saul needs a man and David is that man. And isn't it amazing I remember a few years ago there was a book that came out called The Six Degrees of Separation. And it's the fact that literally between you and anybody else on the planet, you know someone who knows someone who knows someone who knows someone who knows the Queen of England. There's literally six degrees of separation between you and this room. You know someone who knows 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 President Obama. And literally, that's the furthest end of the spectrum. Sometimes it can be three degrees. It can be, you know someone who knows someone who knows Mike Huckabee. Matter of fact, I know him. Been on the platform, introduced him before. Picture of him in my office when he was the governor. He came and spoke when I was the president of the local ministerial fellowship. We had the biggest crowd we've ever had before that year down at the, the, the community center. And he spoke and came and preached the Thanksgiving message for us while he was still the governor, flew into West Memphis for us. I, I am that someone, so I know him, you know me. You're just two degrees away from Mike Huckabee. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Now, the, the whole point is, is that somebody knew somebody. And, and this is the beauty. They're, they were connected to a Renaissance man. 13th century, 12, I'm sorry, 14th century, 1300s, Italy is this just revival of Greek and Roman culture in the arts and in architecture and philosophy, in music and the visual arts. And we've got Michelangelo who is painting the Sistine Chapel and, and who's carving out this beautiful depiction of David, the warrior. Literally, this is Michelangelo's vision of David before he went into the battle in 1 Samuel 17 and he took down Goliath with a pouch of five smooth stones and a slingshot. And so we see this intensity in our, on your, the, the cover of your little bulletin there. It's the intensity in the eyes and the beauty uh, uh, of David that is captivating. He's a Renaissance man. He is a man's man. He is, he is all of these things that are described here. Seven things I want you to see. He was born right. He is the son of Jesse the Bethlehemite. What does that mean to me? Well, are you born into the family of God? Have you been born again? Now, this is what people get so upset about because they go, you know, I'm just so tired of this culture in the world because it's not about what you know, it's about who you know. How many of you know that you need to get used to it because the kingdom of God works exactly the same way? It's not about what you know, it's about who you know. Do you know Jesus? Jesus can take care of you. That's your man. That's, 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 forgive me for saying it this way, but we think we've got a good old boy network. You just get Jesus on your side, honey, and you're talking about folks who can open doors for you. Come on, help me a little bit this morning. Are you getting anything out of this? He was born right. Are you born right? Have you been born into the family of God? So Saul didn't want somebody who was going to be an alien, somebody who was going to be an outsider. He had to be a true Israelite indeed. So this morning I would ask you a question. Are you a spiritual Israelite? Are you a spiritual Jew? Are you, are you one whom the hand of the Lord has touched your life and the Spirit of God has come into your life and now the Spirit of God is equipping you to do the will of God? Come on, are you hearing me? He was the son of Jesse. He was skillful in playing. He had talent. He had gifts. 
Don't just ignore them. But find out what you have. God has gifted everyone in this room with something unique that you can pour time into and you can pray for the, for the understanding of God to be on your life and God will use it as a channel of blessing in your life if you will take time to become skillful at it. Come on, somebody help me. Preach a little bit in this room. He was skillful in playing. He was a man of courage. You can't be scared. You can't be constantly worrying about everything. You have to be willing to step out into something that you don't have all the steps outlined for you. Come on, a man of faith, a person of courage, a woman of destiny doesn't have to have everything outlined on a three-page report from God in the fine print. He, you just need to be able to say, God, I see you moving in this direction and I will step out in faith in the name of Jesus. I've got to get a hold of myself. I'm going to baptize the front row this morning. He was a man of war. He was trained. He knew how to use a sword and shield. He was not fearful. He was bodaciously courageous. And you're going to see that in the next chapter. Can't wait till next week for him to look in the face of that nine foot tall giant. Get a friend and come and show up. It's going to be a great message. Prudent in speech. How many of you know he knew what he should say at the right time? He knew when to keep his mouth shut. Just because you have... Some thoughts doesn't mean you should talk. Some folks just talk too much. I've been so guilty of that. My family has said, you, you're a man of words. And I've had to try to repent and try to... Because try, I'm never a lack. That's a gift in my life. But how many of you know your greatest gift can also become your greatest weakness? Because there's a time to just... Sh sh just shut up. Just listen. And sometimes the hardest lessons are to learn are to not depend on where your natural gifting is and to just learn how to pull back and be quiet and listen and judge the atmosphere and see what's going on and what's happening. It's just a hoot sometimes with young people who are so out in the open and everything and extroverted and they just roll up into the room announcing and I'm just going, man, let's just draw that back, polish this a little bit, just learn how to graciously enter and just sort of figure out what's going on and not have to be the center of attention. Those are hard lessons to learn. But David was prudent in speech. He didn't just have the ability to speak well, but he was prudent. He could choose his words wisely. Look at this. He's a man of good presence. Basically, that just says he's good looking. Now, let me just tell you, you everybody in the room, we've got what we've got. And Lord have mercy, some of us were standing behind the door when God handed that part out. But you know, you can take what you've got and just do the best with it you can. I'm a big man, and I've wrestled my weight as yo-yoed up and down. For those of you who've been in this church, you've seen me be skinny. Not quite, but I mean in terms of what can a big man can be. And I'm back on the hundredfold end of that promise right now. And just hang on with me. You'll see it again. I had some health problems and just felt like death warmed over. And just this year, God is restoring, and so I'm doing all I can. But even at that, you can still... Take what you've got and just make it look as good as you can. Come on, you can be attractive. Come on, you can learn how to. Are you helping me this morning? You're not helping me. Come on, it's the truth. You know, if you've got something that's already overemphasized, the worst thing you can do sometimes is make it more emphasized. And I'll just leave that alone before I get in trouble. Okay, but look at this. And isn't this great to finish it up? And the Lord is with him. Look. He's born right, he's skillful, he's talented, he's courageous, he's trained in war, he knows how to speak, he's good looking. But the last but not least, if anything, it should be the first in the list, is God's with him. How many of you thankful that God's with you this morning? Are you hearing me? Wow. Wow, help me. Let's move. Next point. 
Saul's request and David's response. Three verses. Look here. Saul requests sins for David. He says, Therefore Saul sent messengers to Jesse and said, Send me your son. Send me David, your son, who is... Read those last words in black right there. With the sheep. Oh my goodness. Most folks... If they were visited by the prophet who leaned over, poured oil on your head and whispered and said, you're going to be the next king, they would have said, book me a bus ticket to Jerusalem. I'm going to go hang out and do some, I'm going to, I'm going to do some testing to see how the crowns will fit on my head. They're all about just stepping into. They've got a prophecy and they think it's going to happen right now. The beauty of David and his humility was even after hearing those amazing words that had to I can't even begin to think about how to describe what that would do to you to hear that God looked at your life, looked at my life, and would say, you're going to be the top final authority leader of my people. And, 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 and I, I would probably be down there trying on crowns in the crown shop in Jerusalem. Are you hearing me? David didn't do any of that. He went back to the sheep. And the beauty of this is, is if you want to get what God's called you to do, keep being faithful to where you already are. Look at your neighbor and say, bloom where you planted. Serve well, whatever you do. Do it with all of your might. Do it well. David was with the sheep and Saul had to specifically say, send me David, your son, who is with the sheep. Beautiful. Now, some folks are so busy spending time cursing the job that they're in, the cubicle, the boss, the, the process. I hate this job. Don't forget there was a time when you first got it, you were jumping up and down and giving a good report and writing in a card and going, Pastor, thanks for praying because I got a job. Six months into it, I hate this job. Take this job and whatever. Anyway, <laughs> and, and so you're ready just to say no. And God is going, no, be faithful. Follow through. Keep your commitment. Come on, this is just good kingdom preaching here. Follow through. Be a kingdom man. Be a kingdom woman. Send me your son who is with the sheep. I love that. It's just the humility. Jesse took a donkey laden with bread and a skin of wine and a young goat and sent them by David, his son, to Saul. So they know what to do to be in the good graces of the king. Favor can't be hidden. I don't care if you're in the backside of the desert in a smelly sheep shed. When the favor of God touches your life... Nobody can stop you from being promoted in the timing of the Lord. I'm going to stop and just be very careful how I share this, but it's the story of my daughter's life this summer. Just an inadvertent little, never even intended. She, unlike a lot of other vocalists and singers, musicians who put up clips all the time, self-promotional, screaming for attention, has never, ever, ever done any of that with any of her social media, and she stayed after school ended in the spring and did this little song called Smoke with Luke Levinson, who wrote the song. He said, I just want to write a song, and I want you to show your vocal skills. And so Abby sort of workshopped it and got it ready, and they stayed after a whole week after school had ended, went into the studio at Belmont, because they actually have privileges in two of the major recording studios in Nashville. And so they went in and did this. <coughs> And Luke sent Abby a little 15-second clip, and she just put it up on Facebook, and it went viral. A little clip just from that little song called Smoke, and somebody tagged a friend, somebody tagged somebody who knew a musician, who tagged somebody who tagged a producer, who, who tagged a record label. And I, I can't stop and tell you the stories that have happened of being on the phone all summer long with opportunities that have arisen for this little old girl from just a no-count no family from Dawn and Michael Smith in little old Marion, Arkansas, to the point right now, and she'd received a prophecy as a young girl that she would sing before hundreds of thousands. And that prophecy came to pass this summer 
because she's saying she's a full-time now with the Beth Moore Praise Team with Living Proof Live Ministries with Travis Cottrell. Cottrell, got to say that right. He corrected me last time I saw him. Cottrell, Mike. <laughs> and uh, so she sang on the, um, their, their thing that, where they broadcast all over. Their, their simulcast, yes. And of all the people in the churches around the world that were watching, it was in the hundreds of thousands. So that prophecy came to pass. She sang before several hundred thousand people at one moment. Now, if you think that I am taking time to brag, I'm not. I'm not at all because you do have no idea the woodshed, the, the tears, the frustration, the moments where she was ready to quit, where she would sit down for six or eight weeks at a time because I'd say, I, I can't have your platform. I can't have your attitude on the platform. Where I'd set my own daughter down, and she would take a break, and I would go, look, you just you got to get in, get in the presence of God, let him heal you this, because of stupid things that people in this church a few years ago actually said, just the nonsense, the, just the, uh, help me Holy Spirit communicate this, because it's crazy sometimes. People in your own house sometimes will stand in opposition to you and the clear destiny that's on your life. David had his natural brothers, Eliab and Shammah and all of them, literally cutting him down and saying things. And I had to deal with that, first of all, as her, I'd be her pastor and had to be her dad. And I had to love on these other people in spite of it. And it's just dealing with people. And musicians are the worst. Ego's bigger than this room. And just being able, it's like herding cats sometimes. And, and, and we've got an amazing group, truly, who love each other. But there have been challenges in the past. And seeing her be hurt and at the same time have to love on those who've said those things inadvertently and then they'd get right and forgive. And then I'd go, okay, God, I've got to totally forget that. I've got to wipe that clean because I'm not just her daddy. I pastor this church. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And so these, I'm talking so real this morning that... The, uh, the, the, and, and the stuff sometimes that I've heard, oh, well, you're just promoting your daughter. No, I'm promoting the anointing. And, and if you can't see it, I'm sorry. It's there. It's evident. And there's, 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 there's a uniqueness, the presence of God, because I've seen her sit in her room for hours and weep before God and, and bang those songs out and spend time literally seeing how much her life is like David and just the love for the presence of God. All right, next point. David came to Saul and entered his service and Saul loved him greatly and he became his armor bearer. I love this. When God opens a door for you, if you keep a right heart to serve and don't go in. Now realize he already knows, David knows he's going to be the next king and he didn't walk in there and announce it to the current one. He'd probably lose his head. So he's serving because it's amazing sometimes how God will bring you in preparation for what you're going to be and let you learn from somebody who already is. And the issue is you're not only going to learn what you should do, David's going to learn stuff that he shouldn't ever do when he becomes king. Are you hearing me? Now, wake up and realize you're looking for a perfect leader. You want to work at a perfect job with a perfect boss. You want to become a business leader, an entrepreneur. You want to have your own business. You learn the lessons of what it means to serve first, and then God will give you the ability to be able to take that and move it into something that will be prosperous and be successful because none of us has the luxury of only learning positive lessons from any leader. Let me just, let me just give you a caveat emptor right now. Buyer beware. The only perfect person in this church is Jesus Christ. And as much as I'd like to think that I'm a David, there's a little bit of Saul on the inside of me. And if you're truthful, so is there in you. 
We don't always do the right thing the right way every time. Thank God for grace and for forgiveness and for mercy. Come on, somebody. So David's going to sit under a leader that he not only learns how to be a king, but he's going to learn how not to be a king. God, in his sovereign means, has creative ways that he can put you together with somebody else that you would have never thought. It's just crazy. It's crazy how these things happen. Go on with me, and I'm finishing this message. Last point, promotion comes from the Lord. When you realize that what you have and what you get in the future is going to be because God smiles on your life, then you can take the weight of self-promotion off, thinking like you've always got to keep the image perfect and you've always have to say the right thing. And usually when you're so persnickety about doing all of that, when I do that is when I really open my mouth wide and put in the whole size 14. Really, Pastor, you have a size 14 foot? Technically, I have a 15, but my toes are short. Last time it got measured, I'm, I'm measuring for a pair of cowboy boots, and the dude says, you can't get your instep in there. And he said, let me measure your foot. And I, I mean, I've been squeezing into Cole Hahn 13s, pushing them into four, once in a while, find a 14. He said, Pastor, you've got a, from your heel down to that joint in your toe, he said, you actually have a size 15 foot, but your toes are short. I said, well, thank you for outlining for me what I need to know. Doesn't that bless you right there? I don't know why I told that story. It wasn't in my notes. See, this is what happens sometimes. You guys, you, you have no idea what's running across here. And I just kind of hit the delete button and edit most of it. But that one sneaked in on you. So sometimes I open, when I'm trying my best to put out the best image, it happened right there. I opened my mouth and put in the size 15. Look at this. Promotion. I hope you love me. God help us. Promotion comes from the Lord. 1 Samuel 16. Are you getting anything out of this today? Saul sent to Jesse saying, let David remain in my service. I love this. Son, you've got to stay here. I need you in the court. Because David would play. And when David would play, the anointing of the presence of God would come. And he would start to sing some of those songs that nobody would ever heard before. When he's out there hanging out with those smelly sheep. My heart is fixed, oh God, my heart is steadfast. I will sing and give praise to you. And he starts to sing the songs of Zion and the whole atmosphere in the court of the king changes and a mad angry king becomes soothed and he senses the peace and the presence of God once again. And Saul, the Bible says, loved David greatly and he loved him so much he made him his armor bearer. He didn't just get promoted in the area that he was already proficient in with his music, with his skill, with his voice, with the anointing on his life. But that anointing was so great and the favor was so great that he actually got promotions in other areas. It's crazy sometimes how God will open doors for you and you just go, I'm scratching my head because I don't even have any gifting in that area. But these people think I do. And it's so amazing is if you can remember along the way that it's not about you and it's about the Lord, He'll help you do it and do it with success. Help me, Holy Ghost, because I'm just preaching myself happy a little bit here this morning. Saul sent to Jesse, said, let David remain in my service for he has found, say it, say it, say it. What is it? He found what? Favor in my sight. I love it. Proverbs 3 and 4. Everybody knows 5 and 6 of chapter 3 of Proverbs. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. But two verses before that say this. Let not love and faithfulness forsake you. Keep them. Bind them around your neck. And when they do, 
you will have and find favor and a good name, a good reputation with God and man. So when you learn to walk in the kingdom and the principles that God gives, the Bible says you will find favor with God and man. That's the testimony of Jesus in Luke 2. The Bible says Jesus grew in stature and wisdom in favor with God and man. Like David, Jesus gives us this picture of one who comes into the world fully God, fully man, but yet he submits himself to the teachers around him. David was made to be, born to be a greater king than Saul could ever be, but he submitted himself to a season of learning, a season of preparation. Everybody say training time for reigning time because the Spirit of God is always going to equip you to do the will of God. He found favor in Saul's sight. Let's get the last verses here. And whenever the harmful spirit from God was upon Saul, David took the leer and played it with his hand. Remember, upright hearts in skillful hands. When we submit our hearts to the Lord, He can take our hands and like Al, bore into a transmission with a level of precision that nobody else in town has. He can take our hands and make us put chords together and sing words in a moment that will trouble a mad, angry king. He can make us take our hands and look at a situation that's difficult with an, in an HVA situation and you're going, God, I need wisdom because I've, I've got to move around and renegotiate how I'm going to do this thing because these builders did not know. They were out of their mind when they built this building. And David goes in in his business and God gives him an idea and he creates something. And with his hand, he brings comfort to people who are going to work in that building, people who are going to live in that house. What am I saying? This is available to you. It's within your reach. It's within your grasp. If you will put the Lord first, if you will be a man or a woman that dedicates yourself first of all to the purpose and the presence of God. And look at this. Every time he played with his hand, read the next line with me. So Saul was refreshed and was well. What if you could do something so well, not just in the skill, because they're skillful people. I can teach anybody to read black notes off of white paper in five lines and four spaces. But there's something unique to someone who can play those notes and has the technique and the touch. And beyond all of that, they're filled with the Holy Spirit. And they're sensitive. They're spiritual. They're sensitive to the things of God. And they can, when they move and play and operate, God shows up. And everybody else can tell it. So David is playing, and the Bible says, and the harmful spirit departed from Saul. Listen, and this is my last scripture. This is in your notes, Psalm 75, verses 5 through 10. Promotion comes from the Lord. You don't have to self-promote. You don't have to buy 100,000 followers on Instagram or on Facebook. But you can just do what you do, do it well, do it with excellence, do it with the presence of God in your life, and God will show out for you because His favor cannot be hidden. Listen to this. Psalm 75, lift not up your horn on high, speak not with a stiff neck. He's talking about the horn of the wicked. A horn in Scripture is the symbol of authority. He says, lift not your horn on high, speak not with a stiff neck. Verse 6, for promotion comes neither from the east nor the west nor from the south. Now which direction has it left out? North. God dwells on the sides of the north. It's obviously saying promotion comes from the Lord. Okay. Promotion comes neither from the east nor from the west nor from the south, but God is the judge he puts down one and sets up another. 
For in the hand of the Lord there is a cup, and the wine is red, and it's full of mixture, and he pours out the same, but the dregs thereof, and all the wicked of the earth shall wring them out and drink them. But I will declare forever, I will sing praises to the God of Jacob. All the horns of the wicked will I cut off, the Lord says, but the horns of the righteous will be exalted. Everybody say, that's me. Now that's not because of who you are by yourself, but it's because of who you're covered. It's because of whose you are. It's because of who you belong to. Those of you that say, man, I just hate it. It's not about what you know, but it's about who you know. Get used to it because that's how the kingdom of God works. Who's, who's your daddy? How how you like that? Who's your daddy? And the question is, is it the Lord Jesus Christ? Is it God the Father who is your spiritual daddy? Because if you're born right, God can open doors that no man can shut. Amen. He can shut doors that no man can open. Come on, somebody. Put your hands together and give the Lord praise.